It's Sex and the Sarah Rose Story. I'm Glenn Klein. Sarah, what's your story? Hey, Glenn. Good to be with you today. Today, the story is about Kundalini Awakening. I was leading the Man on Fire group last night, and we all felt so much better after doing the practices and just being in community, you know, even being an online community. The guys have gotten to be a pretty tight tribe and very supportive, and, you know, it's a great environment. It feels really good to be there. One of the benefits of having a healthy sexual aspect to one's life is that it helps manage stress. There's no doubt about it. We know this scientifically. So it's even more important to be centered in on a healthy sexuality uh, than ever. That's why I'm leading a uh, call tonight. I'm doing a free webinar, and it's just helping guys with the fight-or-flight response, the stress response, and how to manage that, right, and understanding how that comes from primal instinct, but there's not actually a tiger over you ready to devour you right now, you know, and so we react. Our brains cause us to react in that way but it's not the reality of the current situation. So, yeah, it's going to be a good webinar. I've got a bunch of guys signed up. It actually filled up within 10 minutes, which was awesome. People are really excited to to get this information and learn how Tantra can impact their lives. The amount of stress, stress is a huge killer. I mean, (laughs) the amount of stress people are under right now is insane. You know, and other people just adding to it instead of helping each other out. People, you know, causing harm to people in the midst of this. It's horrible. Well, how does Kundalini Awakening play into this? And why is this a beneficial topic on this particular sex and the Sarah Rose story episode? You know, Kundalini Awakening is always a good topic of conversation, especially as a Tantra teacher. Uh, And I also feel like it's just an important time for us to have normalcy and then you know yeah address the issue what's going on is going on can't ignore it but also like have some normalcy and just move on with life and you know this is just a a topic that is important for people that are um, a part of the tantric activation community to understand because kundalini energy kundalini awakening is a part of tantra and so it's my job to explain it So, what is kundalini? So, kundalini is an energy, and it is uh, traditionally been, uh, in the tantric tradition, seen as the goddess, uh, and she's sleeping at the the base of a person. So, um, in a woman, it would be the area of the cervix, and a man, the area of the perineum, uh, and the goddess is there asleep. And through different practices, through tantric practices of awakening this energy, um, she begins to travel up the spine through the different chakra points, which I will explain, um, until she gets to the crown of the head and meets up with Shiva, who has been there waiting for her, and they unite in bliss. So that's the imagery of it, Uh, and as I've talked about before, our primal brain uh, responds very well to archetypes, to imagery, Uh, and so it's not about necessarily believing that uh, this is exactly going on inside of your body, that you actually have a goddess asleep in there and a god at the top of your head, but it helps you visualize it, and that visualization is key to being able to um, interact with your primal brain, to reach that part of your brain, and to make impact there. So, uh, so the, the energy is, um, it's, it's sensitivity, right? Like the more sensitive we become to our sexual energy, uh, the more we can use it in a conscious way. So, um, there are in the, in the tantric tradition, there's mapped different types of energy. So we have, or, or actually different bodies. So we have our energetic body, we have the, um, physical body, we have the, uh, the emotional body, 
the, uh, did I ever say the mental body? Mental body? Can't remember. Uh, well, we have the mental body. We have the mental body, but I don't want to miss one. <laughs> so anyway, we have um, the five different bodies. And whenever we work with all five of them, then we're able to engage in life from that place of, of, of like five bodies rather than most people just have um they're they're mostly in their head right like just using their mental body not even really connected with their physical body a lot of times guys come to me or women and they you know they're not feeling anything during sex and it's because they're just in their mental body and so we do work through a lot of different practices to awaken all of the different bodies so that way you can really feel and engage in life from that place of like real, um, just full senses beyond the five senses, right? It's Tantra is like taking the five senses and then going to, to their extreme and then going beyond that, like really being able to, to tap into stronger experiences. Uh, so so yeah, it, and it correlates to different parts of the brain, right? We have parts of the brain that can really experience oh, spirit, the spiritual um, body is one that I, I missed. So it, we have parts of the brain that, you know, can experience like really exalted spiritual experiences. We have part of the brain uh, that is the emotional. We have the primal part of our brain, uh, the the mental part of the brain, the deep sensational part of our brain. So it's it does correlate to uh, the way that modern science sees the brain. Um, it's just a way, another way of mapping of mapping us uh, and. And just like, so, so awakening this energy, when you do that, it helps to clear out, uh, like the swampy stuck parts that we have inside of us and humans enjoy being in areas that are more fresh, flowing, clean, you know, like we, we enjoy that. We enjoy uh, sensations in us that are pleasurable. We enjoy um, the emotions that are pleasing. And, and while it doesn't mean that the other things are bad or wrong, it's that we tend to enjoy these other things more. And so by use, by having this energy flowing through the body, it's going to be able to show you where in your life, where in your body you are being disempowered um, by having kinks in your energy, basically. Uh, and so that ties into the chakra system, which is popular uh, within many yoga communities. Uh, are you familiar with the chakras? Yes, through you. Through me. Okay. Have you done yoga class before? Yes. Okay. Did they talk about chakras? No. No. <laughs> did you feel your chakras? Yes. <laughs> what did they feel like? <laughs> Amazing. Amazing how? You feel uh, like you're exerting yourself and yet finding, you know, it's great centeredness and a level of emotional and mental peace yeah both at the same time right so the chakras um most often are described as seven chakras starting from the cervix uh, perineum area and then going up to the crown of the head and they are actually something that has to be developed in a person. So it's not like you just like, are born and you suddenly have seven chakras. So by focus, by intention, by um, using mantra to basically like install these chakras into your body, um, I like to think of them as places of power in the body, power centers energy centers in the body you actually develop and create them which ties into the you know so, the so they whole, so, the, so theor ahead. theoretically they don't exist before you start developing them or they're there and they just need to be awakened if you will 
They don't exist until you create them. Interesting. So you are creating your own story for your life, right? So it ties in with, you know, the whole idea of we create our own reality. We create our own perspective on things. We create the story for our life. And this is another way of creating a powerful story for our lives. So the root chakra at the base of the, um, at the perineum and the cervix, that chakra is really like raw, fiery, primal. It's the earthy flavor of, of our, our existence, right? It's the survival instinct part of us. And then the second chakra moves up. It's, um, the sex center, it's the clitoris, it's the penis, and that is like watery, flowy type energy. It's where your turn on is. It's very like luscious and juicy. Then the solar plexus area is your center of will, and that is like where you get your power from. It's also where you get your vulnerability from, two sides of the same coin. Uh, and in that place, like you're able to find intensity and the the will the the willpower to like go out and and actually accomplish the things that you have um created with your desire in your second chakra the sex center because that that sexual sexual energy is very much um creative energy right our desire our creation comes from there and then moving up to the heart, that is the chakra, uh, the power center of connection, of intimacy, of being able to love. Uh, you know, you can see as I talk about these things how many of us have blocks in these areas of our lives. And then the throat chakra is high wisdom, it's genius, uh, it's being able to speak, it's your voice, it's, um, you know, speaking out uh, with, with the wisdom that you've generated from the experience of the previous chakras. And then up to um, the center of your brain, between the brows above the soft palate, it's traditionally called the third eye. And that area is uh, deep meditation. It's beyond duality, beyond right and wrong. Uh, it's seeing things very clearly for what they are in the present moment rather than looking at something, um, you know, through the lens of history or duality. And then up to the crown of the head is the crown chakra, and that is connection to your higher self. So whenever people have situations in their lives going on, you can look and see like, okay, they're having an energetic block in one of these areas and you can begin to focus on that area of the body to help clear the energetic block that is holding them back in that place in that part of their life. Getting back to the original five categories that correspond to the way the scientists break down the brain you talked about. Uh, why is it more effective for our purposes to look at the way that you described it as opposed to the way that science describes our brain and how it works? It's not. It's not more effective one way or the other. Um, they're actually very similar. Um, they... I mean, as far as the, the mapping of the brain, it's very similar. Like, there's not a whole lot of um, difference. So, I mean, the, the mystics maybe just had different language around what they said, um, but the way that it correlates to uh, current science is very similar. And then you said that no matter if you think that Kundalini is actually present or not, it's the way, again, you create your own story. Where, where do you lean on that? Is it something that you use as a tool, or do you actually think that that is an actual goddess presence? Oh, for me, it's, um, no, I use it as the, the mythology, the imagery. It's very much a tool of accessing 
ritual, which accesses the primal brain. Um, and, and the thing is that when people try and create transformation in their life, but they come to it from a perspective of um, changing their emotions or changing their thoughts around a situation, uh, then they're most often not effective because the underlying trauma is usually in the primal brain. And so uh, by, by using this energy, uh, the sensations in the body, so that the sensations in the body are connected to our primal brain. And by using the, the energy to work with these sensations in the body, then you're able to impact that part of the brain. And from that place, then get your emotions and thoughts in alignment um, with it. But if you're just working with the, the limbic system, uh, where the emotions are, the cortex, your thoughts are coming from, then you're not going to actually be able to create lasting change if the trauma or whatever it is that you're designing to change is actually on the sensational level. Well, as we uh, open up another page of story time with Sarah, please explain to the folks, uh, Sarah, maybe in your experience, one of the seven chakras that was blocked or that needed to be further developed uh, and how you approach that personally? Uh, I mean, I definitely had all of my chakras blocked <laughs> at one point. Um, yeah. Which, was... which which was, you know, maybe one with the most challenge for you or one or two? Mm-hmm. Um, probably like, the root chakra uh, and the the uh, s- sacral chakra, um, so the one around like security, safety, belonging, uh, and then also one around sexuality. You know that was definitely very blocked for me. Um, but I will also say like my solar plexus was very blocked. Like I did not have willpower. Um, I was basically just trying to survive and that comes from, you know, not having the, um, the root chakra really strong. That's the foundation, you know, Maslow's hierarchy of needs talks about that as well. Like you have to first have all of your base needs met before you're able to elevate into the higher stages of self-actualization. And so, um, you know, there are different ways of looking at it. Different traditions around the world have different ways of looking at it. This is just specific to the tantric tradition. Uh, and how long did it take you to have breakthroughs, let's say, uh, on the root chakra or the sex chakra? And what kind of work uh, was entailed in getting to a place where there was a more consistent and uh, easy flow? It's definitely been a journey. I went to India in 2013 to begin my formal training in Tantra. But even prior to that, as a student, I, I I was in a Kundalini class. And I remember my teacher would sing a song very often at the the end of class and he was definitely one of the most impactful teachers of my life uh his name is siri bahadur he's here in he's in austin uh and he has his guitar and he's such a beautiful sweet man and he would teach just an amazing class and then at the end he would sing a song and um it was, I am the light of my soul. I am beautiful. I am bountiful. Wait, 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 wait. No, yes, I'm not going to sing. Yes, <laughs> we want you to hear, we want to hear you sing the song. I'm, I'm not going to sing the song. All right, just, just sing one line of it. No. <laughs> Why? Because <laughs> I don't have my singing voice on right now. All right, we'll give you, we, we, we could put pause if you want to get your singing voice on. I, I think the people around the planet want to hear Sarah sing <laughs> song time with sarah <laughs> song time with sarah we will uh find that in another episode <laughs> uh, all right well you'll have to come more prepared uh with your singing voice on with my singing voice. <laughs> so i got to put on that 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 uh 
uh, whatever, that part of my personality. <laughs> All right. So obviously there's a hesitation to do this. Let's, let, let's uh, do a little bit more deeper dive just instead of just, just having fun with this. So what chakra might be blocked that wouldn't allow you to have the confidence, could I say it that way, just to rock it out without hesitation? Just to rock it out. Hmm, which chakra? Let me feel into that. Okay, so it could be the root chakra of acceptance, belonging. Um, yeah, for sure that's there. And yeah, that's probably the one. She may not have the confidence to sing. <laughs> <laughs> but she has the confidence clearly to examine why she wasn't willing to sing. That's that's, that's pretty fucking powerful right there. <laughs> I can definitely diagnose myself. <laughs> so what what was the uh what, what what were the lyrics that were sung? Uh okay, so I am the light of my soul. I am beautiful, I am bountiful, I am bliss. And I remember I could not sing I am beautiful. Like I had, I was just so, um, at that point in my life had a lot of trauma, um, that I was working through. I was very shut down and I was craving this work. Like I really desired it. Um, but it was so painful. It was so hard to go through it. Um, I was very, very numb. And like I kept going back and I kept doing the practices and I uh, ended up, you know, finally like making it to a point where I could sit there and cry in the class, right? I still couldn't sing it, but I could at least cry. <laughs> and just eventually moved on from there, just continued to uh, progress in the journey. Was that after you were back from India? This was before I went Be to India. Before you went to India. Mm -hmm. And when you would yeah. have a, a breakthrough and the chakra would start uh, flowing and there would not be the blockage, what was that experience like? Were there tears often? Yeah, I mean, just starting to feel again. You know, from going from a place of my body being numb and tight and like being in a cage, you know, feeling like my body was just, um, like just literally like a cage that I was in, uh, expressionless, uh, to being able to laugh, to smile, be silly, um, really feel during sex, being able to, cry, get angry, you know, all of the different things that I had just really shut down, like a very limited expression of, of humanity. The emotion of, or the manifestation of the emotion of crying, sadness, breakthrough, how important is a person's either willingness or ability to cry? Because a lot of guys, you know, men don't cry. But how important in your experience, both working with guys and yourself in this process, how vital is that? Yeah, I think it depends on the man, for sure. And I actually had a, a really beautiful time this uh, past week with um, Zachary, who is, uh, we used to be business partners, and I'm actually going to have him on the show at some point. Uh, but we reconnected and Zachary is trans. So he is, um, a man now, but when we were working together, uh, he was stuff. Um, and so that was, we got to talk about how, um, how his emotions have changed going from being a woman to being a man. And he said that, I mean, and Zachary is very, very tantric, um, 
definitely feels all of the emotions, has done a ton of internal work. Uh, and because of all this that he's done, like he's been able to go through this transition uh, with a lot of grace and um, a lot of strength and power that unfortunately a lot of people in trans community um, struggle with having because it's such a huge impact. Um, but it's really great to see how Zachary has really flourished. Uh, but he was talking about how his... Um, his emotions have changed and since his transition he's cried once and it's I said you know do you feel like you're blocked are you not crying because you're blocked and he's like no I just don't cry <laughs> he's like I still feel all of this but I just don't cry uh, so that was that was interesting perspective to see to see that you know you don't often get to to meet somebody that has experienced both you know being the female and being the male um, and so I I don't think that just because uh, you're you're like releasing, you're clearing blocks, things like that, that you have to cry. But everyone will express in their own unique way, however it is coming up for them. And uh, so, so no, you don't have to cry um, as a man. You can if that is real and authentic to you, but it's not mandatory by any means. Right, but I, it, without having making it a, a mandatory thing, if fellas, if you feel like crying, cry. If you don't, don't. I, I'm a pretty big crier, especially on, on happy occasions and when I witness something in a very uh, uplifting way. That is what moves me to tears. My son Judah, uh, his son, my grandson Connor, had a very traumatic delivery into the world. In fact, he had surgery today, a follow-up surgery. He's a year and a half old now. And Judah came to me and said, Pop, I haven't cried about this yet. This was after the delivery. I said, I was like, don't worry about it, Dolly. Uh, if you need to, you will. And eventually he did. And it was very mm -hmm. cleansing for him. But he's not a big crier, my son Judah, my third son. Don't feel condemned whether you're a crier or that you're not a crier. Just go with what feels right. What What are some of the other manifestations? Screaming, laughing. What, what, how, how else does this manifest when you do get a, a shock or breakthrough? Well, I think that that, so like the screaming, um, that type of thing can be more of completing a stress cycle in the body. And that is another way of releasing trauma from the body. So by, um, you know, allowing yourself to go into the fight or the flight response in a safe and contained way that's not harmful to someone else, then you're actually, unless that person needs to be harmed for your, <laughs> to protect yourself clearly, um, but allowing yourself to, to do that, to really act those out, to experience that fully creates um, healing in the nervous system as well. Uh, so, but as far as like uh, an energetic awakening, uh, it's, I mean, it can take any type of form. A lot of time people will feel this energy start to awaken in their body and they'll feel like trembling, they'll feel shaking, they'll feel waves moving through their body, waves of energy, uh, and it's not something that they're creating. Like it's happening to them. It's happening. It's like, it's, taking over their body in a way uh, and it can feel really cool like it can be a fun experience to you know be doing a meditation and you feel these waves of energy starting to flow through your body uh, and you know just the caution is like don't just get addicted to the energy and not to the the work that's there to you know still clear out the clean the kinks and the blocks that you have to your energy um but you know, those can be different symptoms. And whenever you're working with issues on the energetic level, you can have physical manifestations. So like if you've actually cleared something, um, it can express through your physical body. Uh, like you may have a rash or a fever or something like that might show up. Um, and so it actually also heals on the physical level. Um, and so it's not like there's a rash or a fever necessarily because there's something wrong, but because you're 
um, expressing it out, clearing it out of your body. Um, and that's your body's way of releasing it on the physical level. So uh, that can happen. Clearly, that doesn't mean if you've got something physical going on that you shouldn't see a doctor um, and, you know, take whatever necessary precautions there are. Like, you've got to be intelligent and smart. And um, But from the tantric teachings, these are ways that it manifests. Why is kundalini such a vital awareness for people in this process it's a personal development path right like i mean we are many people are desiring more and more personal development in their lives and this is one way one path that you can take to do that there are many 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 paths to personal development uh tantra is one that has worked really well for me works really well with people i've that i coach uh and you know and it's something that that speaks to me resonates to me and so that's why i use it and in any tradition any path that you're using that really is the most important aspect of it is is this right for you is this something that you deeply connect with because if not transformation won't happen right like if with any type of ritual if you're just following the ritual just for the sake of following the ritual it's not going to have an impact on you it's just going to be dogma so this is why it's important to uh to not have you know just to follow something just because like do it because it really lights you up inside but why kundalini specifically uh, that goddess why is why is she so vital uh to the energy flow that is uh, attempting to be attained uh okay so i mean yeah in the tantric tradition tradition there are a lot of different um goddesses that you can work with for different uh types of ritual you know manifesting different things that you want in your life uh this is just I, I don't know why they called this one Kundalini. <laughs> no, that's, that's not what I mean. Uh, but, I mean are, are, are there ones that you employ that are just as important or is Kundalini specifically important for people to understand? Uh, Kundalini is definitely very important for people to understand because when you do tantric practices, they are designed to awaken this Kundalini energy within your body. And it's life force energy, right? It's nothing to be afraid of. Like, just because we put the word kundalini on it, it is, it's your life force energy. It's your, um, you know, it's just, it's this energy of, of sexuality, of creativity. It's, um, it's very powerful and it's bringing this to, to consciousness. Uh, and so, it feels good. Like it's something that makes life feel better when you have access to more energy in your body rather than feeling dead inside, numb inside, lifeless, purposeless. Like these are the things that most people feel and having this extra energy moving through your body, clearing out swampy stuck things. It just feels good. Where in the world has the most tantric practitioners do you know is it india i mean i would guess india yeah i have been working closely with a fellow from uh, new delhi in india do you know they have almost no coronavirus in that nation of a billion people i did not know that yeah what are they doing anything well there's i just posted an article about it and uh, yeah they've got a, a different approach but maybe one thing we know it, Whatever percentage of people that are practicing meditation and tantric there, uh, it's helping them manage their stress better. Because what percentage of Americans or North Americans do you think practice tantra? Yeah, I mean, it's a small percentage, but even in India, it's a small percentage. So what happened with Tantra was during the Dark Ages in India, uh, sexuality became very repressed. And you can see that in India today. It's even more repressed there than it is here in the U.S. And so uh, 
while a lot of people still continued with Hinduism or yoga, things like that, specifically Tantra and the sexual energy component of it got shut down and pushed underground. So it's hard to find um, really good Tantra teachers in India. Uh, and Christopher Wallace is a really great resource uh, that has studied Sanskrit, like studied the traditional teachings uh, and, you know, put together as much as is possible to put together because a lot of it got lost and destroyed. So we don't even have full context for Tantra. Um, and, you know, when I was in India, my experience of it is that there are a lot of people that still, um, you know, have their religious associations in the different sects of Hinduism or Sikhism or, you know, the different religions that are practiced there. Um, there's a very strong sense of community that they have, but there isn't a whole lot of actual application of yogic practices such as meditation, um, you know, tantric practices, things like that. I, you will find in certain areas, like there are definitely some masters that you can find in, in Rishikesh um, specifically, or um, uh, the other one I was going to say just escaped me. So there are definitely some, some master teachers there, uh, and many of them will come out, um, you know, for certain uh, events and things, but uh, they're, they're very much hidden in the Himalayan mountains. Um, it, it's not really a part of day-to-day -day life. Uh, in, you know, the poverty there is, is so extreme. Like, it's really horrible um, and very sad, the amount of poverty that there is in India. So, I don't really I bet see... They got, I bet they got toilet paper, though. Well, I, I mean, toilet it paper was, was, <laughs> it was, it was, it was a joke, sir. It was a joke. I know. <laughs> apparently not a, apparently not a very good one. What, 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 what was the atmosphere like when you were there in India? Where, where did you stay? How remote was it, et cetera? Well, so I, I experienced, um, you know, several different extremes, like flying into New Delhi for the first couple nights to get over jet lag. Uh, I actually stayed at the Oberoi, which is one of the nicest uh, hotels and resorts in the world. And then um, went to Rishikesh and stayed in an ashram there for a majority of it. I also stayed in like some, you know, just normal hotels in the Rishikesh area. When I went to Amritsar, again, um, that was uh, more like hotels. And then, yeah, so I didn't do like any, I mean, when I was in the, the ashram, that was, I guess, like the most remote, but, but Rishikesh now is still, is like, has changed a lot compared to what it used to be, I guess. Like, um, I could still feel like the sacredness there, but it's also became, become very much like a, a center for people that are, you know, they're a spiritual seekers. And so there's a lot of like, um, backpackers going through that type of thing. So what else do we need to know about Kundalini? What else we need to know? It's not something to be afraid of. It's something to enjoy. Uh, it's a fun experience. Experience. It's something to use consciously in your body. Um, you know, and it's just another tool for personal development. So, despite the you know the foreign sounding names of tantra, kundalini, really, these are just. Um, more tools for us to live better, more fulfilling lives. And it doesn't have to be any more than that. I don't, I personally don't use it as anything more than that. And I don't teach it as anything more than that. Like you can do this regardless of what your belief system is. Um, whatever your religious or spiritual background is, like it's, a, it's just another way of feeling more alive, of feeling more pleasure in your body. 
You know, a lot of times, uh, certain religions, especially uh, evangelical or fundamentalist Christianity, won't allow people to even do yoga because they consider it a, a part of the occult. Certainly Tantra, Kundalini. It's But it, what you're saying is it'd be no different than using a screwdriver to... Uh, to you know, fix a table or something. This is a, a way to help you uh, more effectively deal with your own life. It's 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 no it's no more no less than that. Yeah, and it comes down to your intention with it, right? I mean, intention is very important in all aspects of our lives, and most of the time, people don't even take the time to examine their own intention. And so, you know, if your intention is to become a spiritually enlightened guru, to, you know, really achieve enlightenment, to um, know, to you know, not come back in onto this into uh, you know in another body or you know whatever like people have their own different beliefs then then set that intention have that be the practice for your life the intention for your life i'm probably not the best teacher for you <laughs> if that's what you're going for um because that's not my mindset that's not my philosophy around this and what i am able to transmit to people that i work with uh, is is a more practical approach to it because it's the it's the way that i use it in my life one thing's for sure that as you employ whether it be uh, the Kundalini Awakening or the Man on Fire or Tantric Activation and whatever tools that you are gaining in your life, you are putting yourself, and and not uh, to see this in a competitive way, but just in a, a realistic way, you are literally putting yourself heads and shoulders above uh, the other members of our society because, as Sarah said, very few people by percentages are doing stuff like this. Yeah, absolutely. It's a huge it's, advantage. It's a huge advantage. Oh, yeah. And you just, you get to experience life, right? We're only in these bodies for a very limited amount of time. Like, why live in such a shutdown way when you can experience how good everything feels? How aggravated were you or upset after you had your breakthroughs and were really starting to get in a good, in, in the good stream of life? How upset were you about the first X amount of years of your existence on the planet that uh, really were tough that actually had you have a need to have those breakthroughs? Yeah, there's definitely a part of the grieving process that many people go through, and I went through it myself, of just, like, what the fuck? Like, that's not fair. It's not cool. <laughs> you know, like, why Why did I have to go through this? That type of thing. Um, and, uh, I mean, I can't say that that never comes up still, but it's I've definitely, like, processed through and worked through most of that, and, you know, I'm just focused on where I'm headed uh, rather than what was. Yeah, because there's, yeah, there's, there's nothing you can do about it. I mean, it's, it's, it's literally... There's nothing you can do about it, but that doesn't mean that it's not still healthy to grieve it. You know, the grief is a healthy process to go through. Mm -hmm. Well, speaking of the Man on Fire program being incredibly beneficial, we uh, open this segment of the Ask the Professor Sarah Mailbag... Uh, with a question from Stellar, Stellar, I've never heard that word before, or that name before, Stellar from Lynchburg, Tennessee, he says, Dear Sarah, my girlfriend doesn't want me to participate in the Man on Fire program because she thinks I only want to do it because I find you attractive, which I do. What should I tell her? <laughs> Uh, yeah, we have so much, when it comes to sex, so much immaturity, right? <laughs> like, well, they um, may not want to start their stellar, that, <laughs> that your wife or that your girlfriend is immature, but that, but, but nonetheless. <laughs> but nonetheless, it's the reality. <laughs> like, um, I mean, what do you, it's an online course, it's in, you're in Tennessee and I'm in Austin, it's not like we're going to be hooking up. <laughs> <laughs> oh, well, once they lift the travel bands, you never know, Stellar. <laughs> no, no, I, I think uh, an effective approach, if I can, Professor, uh, as one of your top undergraduate students here, uh, 
explain to her that you want to go through this program first for yourself and then for her to benefit. And and maybe if if she hasn't seen a picture of Sarah, you could also ask her honestly. Don't you think she's attractive? <laughs> <laughs> Jesus, <laughs> that's good advice, right, Coach? Maybe right, like, Professor? Maybe, maybe maybe she'll have a threesome. <laughs> <laughs> that would be a good advancement. That'd be some good Kundalini awakening right there. Uh, yeah, no, I'm I am here to help people live better lives. You know, I'm here to help people impact their lives in the way that they desire. So whatever changes, whatever you're desiring for your life, I'm here to help you achieve it. And that impact often includes your significant other, you know, if most people are in relationship with somebody. And it's really you know, about helping you have a better relationship with yourself so you can have a better relationship with the person you're with. Exactly. How often have you had or been aware of clients uh, doing the programs, whether it be uh, Sex Stallions or Man on Fire or your private coaching, they're doing it uh, surreptitiously uh, without their significant other knowing? Yeah, that definitely happens, especially with um, sex stallion training. I feel like that one's a little bit easier to keep on the down low. Uh, uh, but I also like it makes me really happy when people are in relationship and they uh, their significant other knows that they're doing it and they're supportive of it. Uh, you know, I'm not here like <laughs> trying to fuck everybody that you know is my student like oh I'm come here. on now you're really disappointing a lot of people uh, well. <laughs> <laughs> and, and so when guys do keep it on the qt and they go through let's say the sex stallion training for example and then they just show up after the fact what kind of comments have you had from the, the the women in their lives? Like, what the hell happened to you type of deal? Yeah, exactly. They're like, then they're very suspicious. <laughs> like, <laughs> what have you been doing? Who have you been having sex with? Where did you learn this from? <laughs> Surprise. Uh-huh. It's like, oh, wait, maybe I should have just like said from the beginning that I was going to do a training to get better in bed. <laughs> I wonder, I imagine a lot of those guys that uh, keep it quiet are, are embarrassed about it. Yeah, I mean, I'm sure, I'm sure so. There's, uh, you know, again, it comes down to our emotional maturity around sex, and it is very, very low. So if they were, cases. if they were hesitant to share that with their spouse or their girlfriend, or whatnot, uh, would that be a, a blockage of? the sex chakra or the root or, or, or where, where, where would, what would inhibit a man from telling his woman, I'm going to do this to benefit myself and us? Most of our blocks begin in the root, right? Where it's safety, security, belonging. If we feel like we are going to do something and it's going to cause us to no longer belong with our tribe, then we're very much likely to not do it. All right. Well, that makes sense, doesn't it? Of course. Yeah. That's why they have it, Claire. That's why they call it the root chakra. <laughs> yep. And that is where most things stem from. Mm-hmm. The roots, So often yeah. we don't even progress beyond that. Got to nourish those roots, gentlemen. Mm-hmm. And ladies. So uh, I, this one comes from Greenwich, Connecticut. Uh, hi, Professor Sarah. Oh, I love when they call you Professor. They're catching on. Uh, this is from Graham from Greenwich, uh, Connecticut. He says, since this all started, I'm assuming he means the coronavirus thing as opposed to the sex and the Sarah Rose story or podcast. Since this all started, my wife says she has an almost uncontrollable urge to have another baby. I don't want another kid. Why would she want another child so badly right now? Well, she's wanting to connect with you. She's really feeling a lot of big emotions and that, um, you know, that feels like a way to connect with you more deeply. How about the fact that uh, she may feel like there's going to be a uh, lessening of the population and there might be, for some reason in her psyche, a biological imperative to procreate some more? Yeah, maybe, possibly. I mean, my perspective is quite the opposite, actually, of I 
can't imagine wanting to bring a child into this mess right now. <laughs> so, you know, goes, I, 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 let me tell you, you know, every, no, no doubt about it. I, uh, I was driving with my daughter, Hannah, who's 29 years old, when Connor, my grandson that I mentioned earlier, was having this traumatic delivery and he was in the, then he was having the, in the intensive care unit. We were on our way from Atlanta, Tampa while this was happening. And Hannah's married and to, to a wonderful guy. She wants to be a mom. She's an actor and she's just a very sharp young woman, but she definitely has that mothering instinct. So I just said to her on the drive down while this, all this shit was going down, I said, does this give you pause at all? to becoming a mother. And Sarah, she could not get the word no fast enough out of her mouth. Hmm. She was like, no. And I was like, whoa, that's how strong it is in her. But follow your heart, you guys. And I mean, well, we, we, chances are there's going to be a lot of coronials coming out uh, in the next nine to months to a year. <laughs> future <laughs> future coronials. <laughs> Yeah, for sure. There'd be a, a lot of <laughs> a lot of birthdays around the same time. <laughs> <laughs> well, hopefully that we won't be going for much longer than that. Uh, as Sarah said, all she wants to do is help, and she is available for uh, your uh, pleasure and for your growth and for your breakthroughs. You can email her at hello at tantricactivation.com. It's a good place to send your Ask the Professor questions. Website is uh, tantricactivation.com. Instagram, Tantric Activation and Sarah Jiu Jitsu on the Insta machine. And uh, yeah, there's, it's, you're very available. And you're, you, are, you basically are putting out, how many emails, uh, are you putting out like five a week now? Or are you much in touch with your, your base almost every day? Uh, yeah, so I send an email with tips out daily, and then if there's something additional going on, um, I'll send that in addition to the regular scheduled email that goes out. So it can be once or twice a day that you get a quick note from Sarah Rose, uh, keeping you up to date on all the ways that you can be having better sex. And Stellar, you may want to just show your girlfriend the actual email, that it's not like you're you're not flirting with Sarah. She's not responding specifically to you. You're just getting a lot of emails in your box from her. It's a very uplifting. You know, it takes about thirty seconds to read most of them, and they're all very positive. Then then you, you find out about things like the webinar uh, that she's doing that filled up in ten minutes. <laughs> that was <great>. <laughs> <laughs> so you better hop on that, boys. Better hop on it. <laughs> uh, yeah, and I, I do announce things like that to my Instagram um, followers, but guys that are on the email list get first dibs at anything. Mm -hmm. And now, ladies and gentlemen, it is th the moment you wait for each and every week. It's time for Cards for Humanity, Eric Hickok's Games for Humanity, as we let's talk about sex. It's the uh, answer to positive people to Cards Against Humanity, and we, it's a, there's four different uh, card decks. This, we, of course, we play the coach's favorite. Let's talk about sex. The, co the, the cards are color-coded according to the chakra. Now, we're, we're getting all expert on the chakra shit, so that's, that, that's awesome. So this one's orange. What's the orange chakra? Uh, so orange would be the, um, the sacral chakra, the um, sex center. Okay, so we're, we go root. To sacral, right? To, to the sex. Mm -hmm. See, I'm, boy, I'm learning. <laughs> I, may, I may end up graduating from the professor's <laughs> class before this. All right, so this is the question from Eric Hickok. Something that turns me on is blank. Something uh, that turns me on is... Is uh, waking up, having dream a dream about sex <laughs> with a guy that i haven't had sex with in uh, two and a half years <laughs> and like the dream was so hot like okay so first i was dreaming that we were having sex and he finished and i wasn't done and i was like looking at him like dude what the fuck like you know this isn't how it ends <laughs> and so he came back for round two and like was totally just amazing and we were having incredible sex and yeah i woke up at that point 
That was last night's dream. That was this morning. That's this morning's dream. That was this morning. Yeah. And are you getting turned on all over again? Yeah, I am. <laughs> That's Sarah's story. And she's sticking to it. 